The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet 100, and get 100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, February 21st, currently 12.04 on the East Coast, here to break down the first half of the season in the Eastern Conference and help me helping me to break it all down here. You guys know him as a voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, and, of course, here on the NBA Gambling Podcast, it's Scott Studio Rachelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? Nothing much. Doing pretty well. Uh, made some money during All-Star Weekend on the Friday show with Terrell. I had DK Metcalf, Celebrity Game MVP. Uh, I had uh, Team Pow to win the skills competition. Overall, pretty good weekend, so I can't complain too much. But I do want to ask you, though, it does seem weird every year, and I get reminded of it every year, that it's the All-Star break, mm-hmm. even though they're about two-thirds of the way through the season, instead yeah. of being about halfway <laughs> through the season. It's a little weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's usually... It feels like it like gets pushed back like a week later every single season, but... Yeah, I feel like it should be. Well, I, I think they kind of compete with like the Super Bowl and the NFL season because I don't think anybody would tune in with football playoffs going on. So I think that's where they're kind of at a conundrum. But yeah, it's like there's 82 games. But right now for the rest of the season, there's about anywhere from about what, 21 to 25 games left per team, which I guess, yeah, it's not really the halfway point. But I think we just call it the halfway point. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so yesterday uh, we uh, recapped All-Star Weekend, talked about the Russell Westbrook signing with the Clippers. Uh, Today we'll talk about the Eastern Conference. Uh, We'll break it down like we did yesterday, talk about the standings, where some of these teams are. We'll also discuss the biggest uh, surprise teams, the biggest disappointing teams. We'll throw out some future bets that we do like for the Eastern Conference, some make-miss playoffs, uh, conference odds, uh, anything that we do like as a best bet at the end. Then we'll just kind of, Grow through some of the teams here. Uh, but Scott, I want to get your thoughts. I know you mentioned that you guys, or you and Terrell, I'm sorry, uh, had a pretty profitable uh, weekend as far as All-Star Weekend win. But anything else that kind of caught your eye or anything that you want to mention from All-Star Weekend? Not particularly, besides the fact that the All-Star game, I was leaning to the live bet under, which had been profitable basically forever. And that didn't get there because it was not a real basketball game. And I knew that going in, but you figure at some point, usually in the fourth quarter, both teams look at each other and say, all right, let's let's try. Let's give it maybe five, ten minutes of actual defensive effort. Yeah. We didn't even get that. It wasn't no. there was no effort at all at any point in the game. And I'm not surprised that that was the case for the first two and a half quarters, three quarters. But at the end, there usually some pride and you kind of get in a, a somewhat close game. I'm not surprised about Giannis barely playing. I said that him to win MVP was a sucker bet. I didn't think he'd play. Then, of course, LeBron gets hurt in the All-Star game as well, uh, trying to go for a block. But the point is, my main takeaway from the All-Star game was that the live bet under lost, the game flew over, because just nobody cared. 
And I feel like that is really the problem that you have with the All-Star game. It's why I didn't watch it. I didn't watch a second of the All-Star game. Congrats to Tatum, I guess, for scoring 55. But still, I just am so happy I didn't watch the game because it's a horrible product for the All-Star game. And really the weekend in general. Do you like All-Star weekend besides the money and besides, I guess, the Mac McClung story angle? But realistically, doesn't All-Star weekend kind of suck? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I don't think there's really ways that you can either fix it either. I know they added the Elam ending, what, a couple seasons ago? Um, they did that. It, it they was, added the player draft, and then they yeah. messed up the player draft because they thought that somebody would feel bad about being the last pick. But, but no matter what you do, someone's the still pick. the last pick in the draft. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, it, it didn't make sense because they moved their reserves up to the first guys being drafted, but at some point, somebody is still going to be the last pick uh, of the reserves there. And same thing with the starters. But Jaron Jackson was still the last pick of the reserves. So you can imply yeah. he was the last pick of the of the draft. Pretty that much. didn't change anything. So yeah. the whole thing was weird. The Giannis and LeBron draft live thing, I thought it was kind of like quirky. I thought it was okay. Yeah. But it felt like it took three years. Yeah, there was just lots, a lot of theatrics behind it there was a lot it, it just yeah. felt like they're, they're trying so hard to make it an entertaining gimmick which i know which the all-star game is i'm not saying you need former mlb winner of this game gets home court in the all-star game to make it meaningful like that's not what i'm i'm in home court in the nba finals uh, to yeah. make it well that's not what i'm saying but you need something yeah the nba makes a ton of money can you get like a $10 million prize pool and just divide it amongst the winning team? Can you do something? I know you're going to say $10 million. Like you're the NBA. Yeah. You, you make billions every year. Can you try to do something to incentivize the players to actually try? Because based on the current format, mm-hmm. it's the NFL Pro Bowl. And I don't think, and they turned into a touch football game this past year. Yeah. So, I mean, headed for the NBA. Yeah. It's, it's a conversation. That happens every single year because there's again no no defense being played. I think Mike Malone came out and said that this was the worst basketball game that he's seen. And then and he was Brown, the head coach. Yeah, and Jalen Brown comes out and says that it was just a glorified uh, layup line at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think people that want to watch it will watch it. I think that at at, at that point at. at the time that it takes place, the all-star weekend, like there's nothing else going on on sports. Like whether it, some people do watch hockey, but those games are early in the day. It's kind of isolated where only thing that is on is NBA all-star weekend and the all-star game. So maybe something comes about it. Maybe it doesn't, but I think that people that want to watch it will still continue watching it. Um, I'm curious what you would do though, to potentially fix it. Do you believe in having the former MLB angle of turning an exhibition game suddenly into one of the most important games of the season? I think so. I, I think that if you want to... I mentioned the money angle because that way it doesn't mean anything long-term. Plus, you yeah. can keep your own fantasy draft, mm-hmm. but there's extra incentive to win. But then again, if you're an athlete that's making $30 million $40 million, dollars, I don't know if you're going to care much yeah. about two, but and I think plus, you get my point. Yeah, and plus they have the contract incentive too, right? Like if they make the All-Star game, you get... Whatever the case is, if it's fifty, seventy five hundred, whatever whatever's in their contracts that you know, that's already an added bonus in there for them. So I'm I'm, yeah, just, I'm desperately thinking of something that Yeah, you I think do. that we like we talked about it yesterday as well on the pod that 
taking the MLB angle of, or the former MLB angle that the winner of, I mean, you can't even do it anymore because it's not East it's and a fantasy West anymore, draft. Right? That's my point. It's, You'd have yeah. to go back to conferences. So I mentioned yeah. the money angle because that way you can keep the current format. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what transpires. But um, we also talked about the Clippers signing Russell Westbrook. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. You want to give that out? Um, uh, I do. Their championship odds actually went up. That's <laughs> how much people think about uh, Westbrook at this point. Yeah. I thought it was weird. Westbrook is a player that a lot of people were trying to make a case for for six men of the year because he was favored for about four months. Yeah. And I just said it was a monumental waste of time and he had no chance to win the award. Mm-hmm. And then the team actively got rid of him. And then he got bought out by his new team. And let's just say he's not winning six man of the year. So that ship has sailed. It was a fun ride if he had it. Maybe he could have potentially sold it uh, if he had a ticket. But I just think it's weird that the Clippers were the team that made the gamble. Chicago, okay, your team's terrible anyway. You decided not to trade anybody. You want to sell tickets. You want to try to get a spark, whatever. Like Chicago, you're going nowhere anyway. The Clippers are actually potentially going somewhere. Where yeah. they were playing really good basketball for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of a choke job against Milwaukee on national TV, they've really passed the eye test most of the last month or so. And the main issue that they had was they didn't exactly have a true point guard. But they didn't really need one because they were using Terrence Mann, who looked really good against Phoenix. He just beat mm-hmm. Phoenix. I know Durant didn't play. Yeah. But now you're bringing in Westbrook, who's a high-volume, low-efficiency player, and he doesn't guard anybody. I get you just got rid of Reggie Jackson and you kind of wanted another point guard to fill the void. Do you think Westbrook fits in on that team? Because it really comes back to some older type of issues that happened with other veterans. Like I'm thinking of Allen Iverson and Melo way back in the day. Former All-Stars and former MVPs have too much pride and delusion to willingly come off the bench and not try to take over the game whenever they're on the court. And I feel like that was a serious problem for Iverson. He gave his famous rant. I don't know of any MVP coming off the bench, and that was towards the end of his tenure there in the NBA. I just think Westbrook's a horrible fit with this team because he's going to want to do everything himself, and the team was playing good basketball. I just feel like it kind of rocks the chemistry a bit when they really didn't need to do it. I also feel like that they really didn't need him either, right? Like they picked up Eric Gordon at the trade deadline. They also added Bones Highland. And we already, I think, at least I mentioned that it was, this was one of the deepest teams on paper uh, at the beginning of the season, obviously barring health and things like that, because you still had guys, like you mentioned, Terrence Mann coming off the bench. You added John Wall. That really didn't work out. Uh, for, it yeah, cheap. it tried, right? It, it, was, it was a cheap deal. Um, but then again, at the trade deadline, like I mentioned, they had they added those two two guys to the roster, which was already a pretty much a deep roster. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that for me, again, <sighs> Russell Westbrook can't be the player that he was with the Lakers, where he was kind of forcing things and, and trying to be that second or third best player. Because on this roster, I don't think he needs to be that guy, right? where you still have guys that if they know their role, this team can be successful, right? You know that it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that are your number one and number two guys on this roster. And then you have guys that are surrounded with them that are good shooters, right? We, we, we talked about, you know, you talk about Marcus Morris uh, as a shooter, Norman Powell coming off the bench, who's kind of really flourished for this team coming off of the bench. They traded away Luke Kennard. You added Bones Highland. So that second group is going to be, 
I mean, we can argue some of those guys could potentially be starters on on a team when we talk about Russell Westbrook, Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, Norman Powell. I mean, that's a pretty deep roster right there. So I think that if if Russell Westbrook just can be a facilitator and 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 get guys in the right spots and not force things that we've seen when he was with the Lakers. I, I think it can work out for him. But again, I'm very still skeptical, uh, skeptical about it. Well, I am going to ask you, though. So Jake brings up a good point of what's is his role going to vary depending on the regular season and dash or the playoffs. I'll start off with this. How many minutes do you think he's going to play a night? Like 15? My guess was going to be like 15 to 20. Max. Do you think Westbrook is willing to put his ego aside to play less than 20 minutes a night? But I think that's a conversation that you probably should have already had with the Clippers organization or the front office. I think you should have too, but I'm just asking because yeah. it goes back to what I said before about Iverson and Melo. It, yeah. It's a lot when you are playing 38 minutes, 40 minutes. You've been in, you've been the best player on some teams in deep playoff runs or even just any playoff runs. And now you're an afterthought seventh, eighth man. And plus the Clippers, we know constantly fluctuate the lineups I'm sure Westbrook might not play in a couple of these games just because of how often they rotate everybody in and out. Yeah. I wonder how he's going to handle it emotionally. That's all I'm going to say. But who's the starting point guard right now for this team? As of right now, they don't have one, but they've been winning anyway. That's my point. Their their best five probably involves Terrence Mann at the starting point guard spot. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Norman Powell technically. So, Westbrook is going to be a regular bench seventh, eighth man. And Mm -hmm. I guess the argument is, you know, those minutes. You have you're sitting Paul George and Kawhi, and you're hoping that Westbrook can keep the offense afloat during those that brief period. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, just ego wise, if Westbrook can fully put it aside and it won't kind of disturb the locker room chemistry or overall just environment because the Clippers were playing good basketball leading up to this move. Yeah, I mean, look, they're 33 and 28. Um, I mean, you just look at the roster. We talked about some of the names of the role players as well. I mean, Batum. Robert Covington, um, we talked about Terrence Mann. They also added Mason Plumley in the front court. So, again, when you get to the <clears throat> playoffs, it turns into, what, a eight, nine-man rotation, nine max for this well, team? For the, re- for a for lot the of record, teams? I think that Westbrook will play in the playoffs, and I think that sure. there's basically no chance Bones Highland will be on the floor. Yeah. He can't guard anybody. Yeah. Bones Highland is the definition of a regular season microwave score Mm-hmm. with basically negative value in the playoffs. Yeah. And we saw with the same Clippers team with Lou Williams. We saw it in the bubble against the Nuggets. You have a guy who's a pretty high-volume depth player mm-hmm. who's fun to watch, yeah. but he can't stop anybody. And if I had to guess, I think they got Westbrook because they know Highland cannot be on the floor in the playoffs, and Westbrook can at least give you something on occasion defensively. It tells you how low the bar is for Highland's defense, but I think that's another reason why they did it. I think they know that Highland will not be on the floor in any meaningful playoff series moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what the really the minutes allocation will be for this roster, uh, especially with Russell Westbrook. Something to keep an eye on as we do get into the final stretch of the regular season. Uh, Scott, let's get into the Eastern Conference here. We're kind of recap. We'll look at the standings here <clears throat> and then go from there. Uh, and discuss some of these teams here. So right now, we talked about yesterday in the Western Conference that there's two teams at the top in the West that have kind of separated themselves as the one and two seeds, which is Denver. <clears throat> right now, it's number one seed, the five-game lead, and then Memphis. But you take a look in the Eastern Conference right now, it's 
Boston sitting at number one. It's 1A and 1B, right, with Boston and um, Milwaukee right now. Now, we also did get the news yesterday that uh, Giannis is going to miss some time. Fortunately for Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, it's not going to be it's not a significant injury to his wrist um, that he suffered in the final game before the All-Star break. Uh, So it's some pretty good news for Milwaukee Bucks fans. Um, But right now, the Milwaukee Bucks sitting at the number two spot, half a game behind the Boston Celtics in the one spot. And then you kind of go down the standings here. Now at the three spot, you have the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, three games uh, behind the Boston Celtics for the number one seed. And then we can go down to Cleveland, which are uh, they are five games behind the number one seed, the Boston Celtics. So I guess we can start with one and two here, uh, Scott, Boston and Milwaukee. Any surprises that those two teams are the number one and number two seed right now in the Eastern Conference? No, the only surprise would be if Giannis was missing some time and then Mm -hmm. Philly ended up jumping Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's won 12 straight. You can make a case for Philly, but if I'm going to be at least mentioning Giannis's current injury situation, I'm not sure if you're going to see Harden and or Embiid stay healthy for the rest of the season. But I think the only surprise there would probably be, or the only upset, so to speak, would be Philly or Cleveland jumping Milwaukee if Giannis is out and Milwaukee plays it extremely safe because they know they can get away with it. And as long mm-hmm. as Giannis is healthy for the playoffs, then who really cares about seeding? So yeah. maybe they can get jumped, but Boston, I think, is going to be the one seed in my pick, in my opinion. Yeah. The fact that they look so good, even with Jalen Brown being out for a couple weeks there, mm-hmm. and they almost beat Milwaukee with basically a G League team, yeah. and now they got Marcus Smart back, and Jalen Brown played in the Ulster game. He's got the Batman mask on, so he'll be playing again. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at how Boston's played the last couple of weeks, and it seems like they've found their groove again after a bit of a struggle there uh, for a month and change. But for the first couple of months, they looked like the best team. It looked like they were going to win 65 games. Yeah. Now they look like they're a team that has a shot to push for 60. It's not going to be easy. They basically need to go like 20 and uh, three the rest of the yeah. way. Yeah. But or like, you know, 18 and five or so, but Mm -hmm. I think they could pull it off. Like, I think that this team, based on how they played and with Smart coming back for defensive purposes and Robert Williams being healthy, I think this team does actually have a shot to get to 60. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Boston one. I think I'll lean Chicago. I think I'll lean uh, Milwaukee two anyway, but I will point out if there was going to be any surprise for the two seed, it would be Milwaukee faltering if there's either a setback with Giannis or, if you end up seeing just Philly or Cleveland go nuts and Giannis misses a week or two, but I think you'll probably see Boston one Milwaukee two. you. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if Philly does jump uh, Milwaukee, just because we don't know how long Giannis will be out. We know it's not going to be significant time, but and what does Milwaukee what? have to gain? Like, do you think they really care about yeah, the one seed? So. No, yeah, they don't, don't care at all. So either. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, again, for me, we talked about Boston at the beginning of the season, just got off to that red hot start where they were seeming like they were shooting 60% from three point line every single night. Plateaued a little bit. Obviously, there's going to be regression, but like you mentioned there, Scott, that they've kind of found their groove again. Um, and they look like they are going to be the clear number one seed uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, led by Joe Missoula. Um, 
kind of going. I still got down. him coach of the year. I don't feel good about it, but I still got it. So we'll see. Well, what he's happens. still the favorite right now. Um, let's see here since we're on the Boston Celtics. So I see him at plus one seventy. Mike Brown is on his tail at plus two forty, and then Mike Malone at plus two sixty. But I, I I can say that I actually was not able to listen to the Western Conference preview yesterday yet. Mm-hmm. At least I see the Kings are three. Do you think they fall down to like five because yeah. the offense has been struggling and the defense is still horrible? Yeah, I think that I think they're going to fall down a little bit uh, because, again, some of these teams in the West are going to be healthier. Right? I expect Phoenix to make a, a leap now or at least, you know, it, it, they're only what? One and a half games back behind Sacramento for that three spot. They're only three and a half back. Clippers oh, sorry, yeah. are a game back, so yeah. I mean, that's that's three teams in the same division separated by a game and a half. Yeah, and they're all healthy now, right? Like Phoenix, I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries, especially with Devin Booker being out. Depends Kevin, if Durant's back post All Star break. Yeah, Durant said yeah. he should be shortly back after the All Star break, which maybe another what maybe seven to ten days before he makes his uh, debut for the Phoenix Suns, and that team is finally healthy as well. Don't know what the dynamic will be between Luka and Kyrie. I mean, offensively they'll be great, but defensively we'll see. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Zion, you know, he's going to miss some more time. So, again, it'll be interesting to see you. I, th- I think that the, the one team probably will be Sacramento that probably falls maybe down to like five or six just because these other teams are healthy. I bring that up for Missoula. Malone, yeah. I'm not too concerned about because Did he just recently win too. By what? Didn't he just recently win the coach of the year? That I don't think so, but I'm not concerned because they're going to give Jokic all the credit anyway. Usually they try to disperse the awards. You don't usually get the coach of the year and the MVP from the same team. Mm-hmm. They try to give one award for each. Yeah. No, it's the same reason why Budenhoser doesn't win coach of the year ever because he is Giannis. Yeah. They're going to look at the roster and go, well, what do you expect? They had Jokic, Jamal Murray came back, Porter played. I know that they got injured at several points, but still, Denver, you expect it to be very good because they got a lot of guys back from last year that missed time, and Jokic yeah. is MVP. So I don't think Malone's going to win it. So am I impressed by Missoula? No. I watch him coach, and I don't think he's actually very good. But I have him coach of the year, and based on who he's against, if Sacramento falters, which we think is kind of likely, my chances probably are not that bad. Yeah, I I was going to say, Mike Malone hasn't won ever. I didn't think he did either. But you get my point, though. They're going to look at Jokic and say, well, anybody could coach that team. Yeah, and Jokic right now is uh, odds on at minus two fifty now to win the MVP. Well, he should be the straw poll yeah. has him like a minus seven hundred favorite. Yeah, um, how much of the narrative of what transpired in the off season for the Boston Celtics with Ime Udoka and Joe Mazzulla having to take over is going to you know maybe drive voters to vote for him if they finish that, up as a number that's one? That's why. Seed. That's why I took it in the first place because yeah. he was an interim guy and Boston was still off to a great start. I do think it actually does pay dividends that he was officially named the new head coach. Yeah. So the interim tag was pulled, Mm -hmm. and I think that does help his case because you can say he was dealt a really bad hand with the situation. His roster was great. Like He he inherited a team that made the NBA Finals last year, Mm -hmm. but he was good enough to get the front office to abandon ship on the coach that led them to the finals last year. It sounds cheesy, but I think that narrative is worth something, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, kind of going down the list here, we have the Cavs at the four spot. You, we have your uh, Brooklyn Nets at five, and then uh, New York, the Knicks round out the top six. And then kind of get into the play-in tournament uh, bracket here, where right now, currently, if the season ended, it would be Miami, Atlanta, Washington, Toronto. 
Um, so I think this is a good transition. So we can start here with which has which team in the Eastern Conference in your eyes here, uh, Scott, has been the most disappointing team uh, in the Eastern Conference for you. So I got to think about this one because you can say the Nets because they were supposed to be a very, very high seed, but they're still fifth. Like they're in the playoffs right now. Like I can't yeah. call that fully disappointing despite the expectations preseason. I don't even know if anybody had many expectations because half the half of the basketball world thought Kyrie and Dash or KD wouldn't be on the team anymore. I did, but most people didn't. So I'm actually not going to say the Nets. I think it's got to either be Atlanta or Toronto. Okay. If I had to pick one of the two, you could argue Chicago because Chicago's not even in the play-in right now, but mm-hmm. I didn't like Chicago's chances before the season. I know you didn't either. I think Terrell didn't either because they kind of overachieved last year. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Atlanta. Okay. Toronto had pretty much the same roster they've had in years past, and they have not been good. Don't get me wrong. But Atlanta was a serious buyer in the offseason. They traded for DeJounte Murray. They gave up a lot of draft capital. They paid John Collins a bunch of money, which they probably shouldn't have done. Toronto, you can make an argument. You know, the core got older. Van Vliet's been there for a while. Siakam's been there for a while. And they just didn't click this year for the most part. Mm. But I think the most disappointing team's Atlanta because they thought this was an all-in push. And they're a playing team. Toronto, you know, you can make a case their window passed. They won a title. It is what it is. Atlanta's got nothing to show for it. And they trade a draft capital. And this is clearly not working. And they might trade Trey Young because I'm not sure how many people like to play with him. Yeah. I think the biggest disappointment has to be Atlanta because they were serious buyers in the deadline and at the uh, during the offseason, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. and it blew up in their faces. So give me Atlanta. I feel like there's like a lot of turmoil within the organization of Atlanta. Like yeah, McMillan was rumored to resign midway through the year. Yeah. And the dynamic of what like you just mentioned that do, do these guys want to play? Uh, with Trey Young, and then even going back to last year's trade deadline, or maybe in the season prior, where John Collins has just been in the rumors every single off season, and they paid trade, him, and they paid him, and then they still want to. He still ends up in trade rumors about you know wanting to either either trade him away, or if there's a, a there's a rift between him and, and Trey Young. So, and then I, I thought for me the the Dejounte Murray trade was a kind of a head scratcher as well for me. I mean, we talk about dynamic backcourts, but it is a guards league now, but. I don't know. I, I didn't think that it would work between DeJounte and Trey Young just because Trey Young is just so ball dominant. And, you know, like you mentioned, that there's not many players that do want to play with him. As, as, as I, I don't, we can't confirm it, but, it, you know, that's just kind of what it seems like with body language and stuff that we've heard from, you know, the, the, the Twitter verse. But I think Atlanta was there for me as well. Did you want to make a case for another team besides Atlanta or Toronto? I think Miami was going to be one, but they, they've turned it around where they right now they're at 32 and 27. But for them, it was just it was just a field day for us or it was it was felt like an assignment in college, kind of just going through their injury report just because guys were in and out of the lineup. I don't know the first 40 to 50 games for this team where they finally got healthy. Um, I was going to nominate Miami, but right now they're sitting five games of uh, above 500. Did we have the same two teams, though, with Atlanta or Toronto, or did you want to make a case for the Nets? I didn't think I could do the Nets because they're still in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, they're still in the playoffs. And again, what transpired with Kyrie, I think that was a domino effect because I, 
I honestly felt that Kevin Durant was also going to get traded as soon as we heard the trade request from Kyrie Irving. I don't think that he was going to stick around uh, for the rest of the season. Now, Brooklyn had the, you know, Brooklyn could have said, hey, no, we're going to hold you for the rest of the season and then trade you in the in the offseason. But again, it just, I guess, kind of just worked out with Kevin Durant heading over to Phoenix. But I think for me, yeah, you're right. We, we talked about Chicago, you know, before the season started, that they were going to be the team that was probably going to take a step back after they overachieved last year. This was a team that I was high on very, uh, very high on last year. Uh, but this season, you know, sitting at 26 and 33 outside of that, even that play in tournament right now, or not only and Wanzer didn't play and he's out for the year. So they had yeah, a series now he's out to, a high con- to a big contract guy. Well, you don't think Patrick Beverly is going to save the season? Unfortunately, no. I don't think his facilitating okay. is good enough. You know, okay. he's he's going to help the trash talking, so that might help. <laughs> you know, but I don't think that's going to. I know you're joking, but in general, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other real candidates here. Like you could have made a case for Washington, but nobody liked them. But they've actually been good lately. They're only two mm-hmm. games under. Yeah, I don't have any other teams to really talk about. You could make a case for Detroit because we liked that team before the season. Yeah, but Cade gets hurt about a month into the season, and you're automatically excused. Because yeah. he is a very good player, the best player on their team. I got to go with Atlanta because besides the actual on-court issues, there's a lot of off-court issues. And we talked during the offseason about how Atlanta, I like their win total under, I believe, because I thought that it would just take too long to get the chemistry working. Yeah. But the real question was, will Trey Young play off-ball? And will that cause this to work? And he has not played off-ball, and his three-point numbers suck. Yeah. So the real issue is Trey Young forgot how to shoot threes. That's really the issue with him playing off ball and doesn't exactly come off screens anyway. Mm-hmm. But I got to go with Atlanta <laughs> for biggest disappointment because they've they've been really bad. And I think if you asked any GM what's the worst situation to inherit right now, Atlanta's got to be bottom five. Yeah, I would think so as well. You also mentioned Toronto there. I, I think that. It's always the same story for Toronto that they kind of underachieve in the first half of the season. And then for whatever reason, in in the final stretch of the season, they just kind of seem to turn it up. Now, they're right now about four and a half games out of that six spot trying to avoid the play in tournament. Um, But this Toronto team, I think every single season when the trade deadline comes around that there's a point guard or a player that's always mentioned that's going to be in trade rumors or going to be traded. I think a few seasons ago, Kyle Lowry was mentioned to the Lakers for THT in a first-round pick. That didn't transpire. Um, and then this season, it was a combination of OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet. Even Pascal Siakam's name was, I think, the only untouchable on this roster, Scott, was probably Scotty Barnes. But what, what's your kind of take on this Toronto team? I, I think they, they are in that same conversation as Atlanta as far as being probably the uh, biggest underachieving or the biggest disappointing team so far this season. Yeah, those are the two teams I mentioned, but I yeah. picked Atlanta more because they were buyers at during the offseason, and Toronto just stayed pat. Toronto yeah. thought their current core was good enough. It clearly wasn't. Now, their odds to make the playoffs are plus 165, mm-hmm. so they actually have a decent shot to still make the playoffs. But, of course, they were disappointing. I know that we both, along with Terrell, liked the over for their win total, but that, of course, never stood a chance. They're a disappointment, and they somehow were buyers at the deadline because they traded for Jakob Pertl and didn't get rid of anybody, which I thought was very weird. But still, I think that they're disappointing, but I have to give it to Atlanta because they tried to make an all-in push, and you can tell they tried to make an all-in push, and it just backfired just completely just – it imploded in their faces. Yeah. 
Toronto didn't make any moves. They just mm-hmm. thought that this core was good enough. So for biggest disappointment, give me Atlanta. I think I was going to mention something for Toronto. Oh, I was going to say, but I did mention Toronto was my runner-up. They're my silver medalist. Yeah, Um, you just talked about the odds for teams to make the playoffs. So right now, if you had to make a bet, if you gave you a three hundred dollars courtesy of win bet, Toronto. uh, You mentioned yes to make the playoffs at plus sixty-five. Would you take that bet, or would you take Atlanta to miss the playoffs at plus one twenty-five? Oh, it's pretty tricky. Because I, I can see a world where the Wizards maybe get in, but I just expect Porzingis to get hurt again in the next two, three weeks. Yeah. Miami might end up injury. out of the play-in. Well, I'll ask you this, though. If you had to pick your four play-in teams, are you just going with these teams? With Miami, Atlanta, Washington, or Toronto? Or are you picking Miami to jump the Knicks? Or maybe the Nets fall apart and the Nets end up in the play-in? That was going to be my thing. That's that I, I think that maybe the Brooklyn, I, I think the top four right there we talked about with Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and Cleveland are, are pretty much solidified as a top four. It's just going to depend on seeding. That's when it gets interesting right now at the five and six that we all kind of expected New York to kind of take a step back. They've been playing pretty good basketball. They're sitting at 33 and 27. I think Miami makes that leap into the top six. They probably end up as a maybe five or six seed now that other guys are healthy, now that the trade deadline is past them. I think that Brooklyn probably falls down. I think that they can probably still be in that play-in tournament. I'm asking because looking at the standings, they're two games ahead of the Knicks for the five spot. Yeah. And they're two and a half games ahead of the Heat. Now, the mm-hmm. Nets had a huge head-to-head win against the Heat mm-hmm. last week where Mikel Bridges dropped 45. So maybe that's yeah. the decider. But mm-hmm. the Nets to participate in the play-in, not even to make the playoffs, just to be in the play-in is 4-1. to one. I like that. I, I think, think Brooklyn the, probably ends I think up there's in the a case. tournament. Yeah. But I do like the roster right now. The question is, do they have enough offensive firepower to get it done without having a miraculous Bridges 45 piece? But plus 400, they're only two and a half clear of that playing game. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, so do we think that Washington is in that playing tournament along with Toronto and Atlanta and then probably Brooklyn? Yeah, to answer your question, Atlanta still has talent, and right now they would still be hosting a play, a two playoff games or two play-in games maximum because as the eight seed, if they lose, actually no, sorry, they'd be facing off against Miami. They'd be they'd be the uh, home team if they would lose to Miami, and they'd mm. be the home team against either Washington or Toronto. Toronto's only one back of Atlanta, and Washington's half a game back of Atlanta. What do you say the odds were for Atlanta to miss? Atlanta to miss the playoffs is plus 125. That's to miss or make? I'm sorry, to make. Okay. Hold on, let me, let me, hold on, let me. Okay, check. I see Atlanta to miss the playoffs at plus 125. Yeah, 125, yeah. I'd to rather miss. take that. Yeah. Toronto is still a team that I, I still like the roster, but for 165 compared to 125, I'd rather just have any team get in besides Atlanta when there's mm-hmm. a decent chance that they're a single elimination team. Mm-hmm. If I told you that Washington and Toronto pass Atlanta right now, and they're both within a game, would you be shocked? Probably not, because Atlanta's been horrible. Yeah. So I think Atlanta might end up as a 9-seed or a 10-seed, and then you not only need to win one game, you need to win two games to make the playoffs. So... Give me the Atlanta no on that one. Okay. 
Yeah, I think I, I agree. I don't with know you. if there's value on Toronto to make the playoffs because if they end up in that 9-10, you have plus 165, and it's basically a two-game parlay. Yeah. You would have had I better agree. odds just by par- just by rolling it over or just parlaying those two. So give me the no on Atlanta if I had to pick between those two options. Yeah, uh, I, I can't argue with you there, man. Um, it, it just kind of turns into the conversation for the East that, that we'll see some type of movement between the five, six, and seven seeds. But I think the real conversation goes into who's actually going to be in the play in tournament, um, which kind of leads us to the next uh question for the eastern conference the biggest surprise so far uh in the eastern conference here scott who are you looking at so there's a couple of obvious candidates but i don't know if you can pick any of the of the top seed teams because philly has been very good they're Mm -hmm. 38 and 19 i like their win total over i just thought they were going to be a good regular season team Mm -hmm. but i don't think any teams in the top four can really surprise you Philly's a three seed in the middle of February. Are you really shocked by that? No. Like, I don't think that's a surprise at all. No. Cleveland's the four seed. Am I shocked? No. They should be very good because this team's been healthy and they got Donovan Mitchell. So mm-hmm. I think you're looking at the bottom of the conference anyway. You can make a case for the Knicks being a six seed because they're 33 and 27. So I think yeah. they're obviously a candidate. They're not even a playoff team right now, but I got to mention the Wizards at least in passing. Mm-hmm. Good for yeah. them. They were horrible for most of the year. Then they randomly caught fire in the last month and change. Good for Washington. I did not think Washington would be the ninth seed right now. I thought they'd be a borderline playing team. I thought they would miss. But I do think that if I had to pick the biggest surprise, it probably would be... I don't know if anything really surprised me that much because the Knicks being a sixth seed, I guess, is the surprise. I thought they'd be closer to an eight. But... We mentioned how Miami might jump them, and they could still end up as a, as an eight or a seven. So, you know what? Screw it. Give me Washington. I really thought they were dead to rights about a month or two into the season, yeah. and now they actually have a shot to make the playoffs. I did not think that would be the case going into the season. So, give me Washington, but maybe a part of me is just being a Knicks hater. Maybe <laughs> it's the fact that they have Randall, they have Brunson, they still have some talent, and you thought this team would be decent. Yeah. We just thought they'd be around a 500 team. They're a little bit better than that. I thought Washington was going to be a seller at the deadline at some point, and instead they've just been good. So give me Washington. I did not think in the middle of February they'd be two games below 500. Give me Washington. Yeah, Washington. I, I, I mean, how many teams in the entire association has at least three players that are averaging 20-plus points per game? Not many. Uh, I, th- I think Charlotte might, and that tells you how bad Charlotte is because yeah. they're just – relying on any scoring whatsoever but do you want to make a case for any team besides the Wizards or the Knicks because those are the two teams I had to mention but the Knicks I guess are surprising by seeding but I was so low on Washington during the offseason that they're my surprise pick I think the one team and obviously that's not in the play or in the even in the play in bracket right now which I was really down on and we had talked about this at volumes before the season started was probably the Indiana Pacers um, because I thought they would be competing for a a lottery, you know, spot right They'd be down a playoff there. Playoff team if Halliburton didn't get hurt. Yeah, and that's the entire conversation, right? Right now, there's only two and a half games back of the ten spot for the with the, uh, behind the Toronto Raptors. But yeah, I think that if Halliburton doesn't get hurt, this team could probably be in that play-in bracket right now because there was a stretch right before their victory over the uh, Chicago Bulls 
where they lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the 10 games prior to their victory over the Chicago Bulls. And I think that was a stretch where they were missing. Um, Tyrese Hall- yeah, I, I believe during that stretch, Indiana had the worst offensive rating in the entire league. Yeah. And then if you want to even go back further, so there are two victories or sorry, their victories was Chicago before the all-star break. They had a victory against the Kings and then the prior victory against the Bulls. Uh, and then before that, they had lost about one, two, another seven, eight games in yeah. a row. So they've only won about three games either past maybe what? 15, 16 games. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much the stretch, like you mentioned, without uh, Halliburton being there for this team. So it's a fair point, though. We thought they'd be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Yeah. And they're really not. They got a shot in theory, but they're not as bad as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Are you picking them or who's your pick going to be? Yeah, I mean, it was really tough for the East for me. I think Indiana was the one team for me. I don't hate the Washington pick either. I think that that was a team that we thought, or at least I thought, was also not going to be very good. But I thought I thought they'd be trying to trade half the team by now. Yeah, I mean, with Bradley Beal, uh, Porzingis, and uh, Kyle Kuzma, all our players are averaging twenty plus points per game, and they have some young talent there as well. So, yeah, I agree with you about Washington. I'll just pick Indiana as my team as well. Um, Orlando, I think we were all higher on thinking that they would be better. They've had moments. They did yeah. go over the win total already, so that we have yeah. that for us, but it took too long to get going. Yeah. Um, anything else as far as what's kind of surprised you or for this Eastern Conference? Maybe any players or teams you want to mention? I mean, t- Detroit's been a bit surprising based on how bad they've been, but Cunningham's barely played. I mentioned it before. We were 100% right on Charlotte. We thought that team would be garbage, and they're absolute garbage. So that's not a surprise either. It's a good point with Indiana, but they are the 12th seed, and I wasn't sure if I can give most surprising team to a 12th seed. But I I get your point. They are better than I thought they would be. I thought Indiana would probably be around 14th. So I get get where you're coming from there. But really not much else. The Knicks were probably my silver medalist for most surprising team. But once we saw Brunson play, for the first couple of weeks, I think we knew, like, all right, this team could be a playoff team. Uh, so the, I think it was the Wizards. And I don't even know if you can say that based on the whole season or just the last two months. But they look dead in the water, and they mm-hmm. randomly have, like, the fifth-best record in the league in the last month and a half, which came yeah. out of nowhere. So the fact that this team kind of rose from the ashes is why I'm going to pick Washington as my pick. Yeah, and also coaching, right? Like, they, they, they've had, they've actually brought in a, a competent head coach to run this work. Organization. I know they had Scott Brooks for the very longest time, but it just wasn't working out with, with, with Scott Brooks being there. I miss him there coach. though because he just blindly bet overs every game. <laughs> yeah, catch, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe he's right. the reason why Westbrook, you know, has uh, struggled because he's basically out of the league as a head coach. Oh man, that those bets last year with Westbrook's like rebounds and assists just go over every single night was just a cash cow. Where- I miss him with with Beal just taking those over two forty fives and it would be two sixty. Yeah. those type of games. Um, yeah, I think that we pretty much covered it there, Scott. I think that, you know, the top four teams have kind of separated themselves. Um, we'll see some type of regression. Well, I want to talk to you about the Brooklyn Nets then. We have some time here. So, obviously, the trades are now, you know, with Kyrie and KD gone. I guess what's kind of the outlook now for the Brooklyn Nets, maybe for this rest of the season? I know they just uh, announced that uh, Jock Vaughn signed an extension with the he Brooklyn deserves, Nets. He deserves one. Oh, 100%. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I think the more conversation piece may be going into the offseason because they have a lot of players on this roster that can be really good, you know, 
role players for teams that want to be in that conversation for championship uh, aspirations. Talk about guys like Mikael Bridges, Spencer Didwitty off the bench, possibly Dorian Finney-Smith. But what, what do you think about your Nets now after the, after now the big three with Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant now have gone their separate ways? My initial takeaway, of course, is that the big three are... <laughs> I keep forgetting Ben Simmons is still on the roster. Yeah, I mean, Simmons is, you know, I'm not even going to bother with Simmons. That's just, <laughs> that's just not even as a Nets fan, it's, it's just kind of sad how his career has played out for the last couple of years. But still, it was just looking at the Nets, of course, they were a failure because they had a big three, and with either injuries or COVID issues or whatever you want to call it, the Nets didn't win anything. Uh, so they're a failure from a big three perspective. Now, moving forward, were the Nets good enough to win a title with Kyrie and KD from what we saw for the first several months? No. I don't think they were good enough to beat Milwaukee. Uh, maybe they could have given Milwaukee a run, but I think Milwaukee would have won that series. And mm-hmm. Boston would have killed them. They can't beat Boston. Boston's just too good. And uh, they would have beaten the Nets comfortably once again. So the Nets said, screw it. Why are we even bothering? We're not going to pay Kyrie an extension. We're tired of his antics. So we're going to ch- we're going to trade him and we're going to trade Durant and kind of start from scratch. And their overall roster is not bad. Now, you're mentioning Bridges and some guys with trade value. The problem that you run into is the fact that the Nets are automatically in purgatory because they saved a lot of money by getting rid of Durant and Kyrie. So you make an argument that maybe they could sign somebody during the offseason. However, you know this because of the team that you root for. The Nets don't have any of their own picks. Yeah. So you can't officially blow the team up and go for rock bottom because you'd only be helping Houston out. Mm-hmm. You don't have your own pick. So yeah. you have to try to remain competitive because you can't rebuild through the draft. Now, you got a lot of draft picks from Phoenix. They're mm-hmm. going to be in the 20s. Those picks yeah. should be in the 20s. So maybe you could package a couple of those for you know a trade in itself. Bridges, do I think he's worth three or four first-round picks? Maybe three, probably not four. But the Nets couldn't pull the trigger because they can't afford to be bad. The Nets have to be mediocre or good because of the Harden trade with Houston. So the Nets will be competitive for the next couple of years. Will they compete for titles? Probably not. But they should be hovering around that five-seed mark because they have to. Because they cannot afford to fully blow it up since they have none of their own draft capital. That's my main takeaway. They're going to be good, not amazing. And yeah. maybe they can trade some of the Phoenix picks and package some of those five second round picks from Milwaukee or something. And maybe you buy or you end up trading. You Either you get somebody in free agency with the cap space, assuming you get rid of Simmons, or you trade for somebody who can maybe be a spark offensively. But for the most part, the Nets will be a pretty good Eastern Conference, middle-of-the-road playoff team for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's kind of getting vibes of like what Washington is right now or, or you know, some of those teams that we just discussed. But Washington's that, a play-in team. I, they're yeah. better than that. I, I think if I had to make, think of a comparison, they would be the – during the LeBron era, they'd be the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Just a that's steady fair. playoff team. They would probably lose in the second round of the playoffs all the time. Mm-hmm. But they're a team that would walk into probably a four or five seed and then lose to one of the superstars in the league. I think they'd be like a gatekeeper team, but they'd remind me of those Indiana, you know, like the Boyan teams. Yeah. And like, it was like Boyan with uh, a little bit of Paul George in there. Uh, Paul George might have been before that, but you get my point. They'd, they'd yeah, probably yeah. be either a first or a second round elimination team, mm-hmm. but they'd be good enough to get in. Yeah. 
like a Washington with Beal and and a Wall team. One of those yeah. teams. I can yeah. see them being in a four or five seed. Yeah, I mean, look, there's definitely talent on this roster. There's no question about that. I mean, we talked about the guys that they traded for, Mikael Bridges. You also added Spencer Didwitty uh, with the um, the Kyrie trade. Uh, Nick Claxton has been a great revelation for this team, at least defensively. Uh, Seth Curry is still on this roster. Dorian Finney-Smith, another guy. So they have, they have a lot of great shooters on this team. Uh, I think that maybe the Nets and Ben Simmons are probably headed towards a buyout situation it's in the offseason. But they have to buy him out. Yeah. Um, at this point, or during the offseason, there yeah. were rumors the Nets would trade two first round picks mm-hmm. with Ben Simmons to like San Antonio. Yeah. And one team would just swallow the Albatross contract for two first round picks. Mm-hmm. But the Nets decided not to do that. That might be on the table in the offseason, potentially. Keep an eye on it. But yeah. Simmons will not be on this team next year. He's yeah. making too much money. And if they do get rid of him, the supporting cast is there. I think you can't actually lure a superstar. I do want to actually look quickly to see if I don't spend too much time on it, what the upcoming free agent pool is going to be in 2023. Are, are there really any guys? I know you can make an argument for Harden, but that'll never happen again after what happened the first time. Yeah. Are you excited for Harden to go back to Houston, by the way? Uh, I am very excited. We're going to get the number one pick. Uh, we're going to draft Victor Win, uh, Winbinyama. We're going to get James Harden back. Kevin Porter Jr. will be gone. And uh, if somebody wants to come play with James Harden, I, I'm not opposed to trading away uh, Jalen Green in a package for uh, getting another star here. So it's not a great free agent pool during the offseason. You have Middleton, you have Harden, mm-hmm. you have Kyrie, and that's not even worth my time. <laughs> Orzingis, technically, he's got a player option. I'm assuming he's going to keep it because it's 31 and a half. 31, yep. Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to keep that. And that's basically it. I don't think they're going to make a run for Vucevic or like Draymond. Like, you, you, I don't think they're going to make a run for Van Vliet, but we're, we're going through these names. Like, I don't yeah. think that there's any marquee free agent available in 2023 that would turn the Nets into serious contenders. They might just hold serve. 2024 is interesting because you have Paul George and Kwai as player options. You could also throw in like a maybe a Clay Thompson, but I think he's past his prime at this point. And you have LeBron if you want to go for the fun old-time or sell tickets angle. So the Nets, I don't think, can really rebuild in free agency, but they do have a pretty good overall supporting cast and they could allure a superstar if the team's willing to take three first-round picks. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be definitely interesting to see what kind of transpires with the Brooklyn Nets because they, I think they do have definitely, like we just talked about, assets that they can trade away to acquire more draft capital or try to lure in a, a another superstar player to, to you know, put uh, with the guys that are – on this roster currently because again like we mentioned there are some pretty good uh, guys on this roster as far as rural players go uh they have, they have to go for it at this point yeah. because they don't have any of their own picks for the next what eight years yeah something Seven like years. that for sure I mean, it's not good yeah, yeah. uh all right scott uh before we get into maybe a a best bet for this eastern conference for the rest of the season let me tell our listeners about our presenting sponsor that is going to be WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBets. Build your own bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. If you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer, bet 100, and get 100. Limited state availability 
And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a thousand dollar free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win bet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 20 years or older and present in the state where play-through wooden bed is available. If you or somebody know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Scott, we talked about, you know, extensively the Eastern Conference where these teams are at uh, pretty much with the final stretch of the regular season here, about 21 to 25 games left uh, per team. Um, you got a bet that you kind of dug up here as far as maybe a regular season win total or make miss playoff a player award, anything like that for the Eastern conference. So you talked before about the nets in the play in game at around four to one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to pick that, but I am having an eye on it. I think that could be tempting. I think I'm just going to go back to Atlanta okay. to miss the playoffs at plus money. I just think it's a good deal at one twenty five, is because it's not even just what we've seen on the court. It's also the rumors off the court. I think the, I think they just hate each other. There's no cohesion whatsoever from really anything that we've seen all season long. And we didn't even bring it up, but we kind of have to. I know that they've had a week off or so. Trey Young's had longer because he wasn't uh, he wasn't an all star. But yeah. you're right, he wasn't officially an all star. Nope, he was not. That's what I thought. So yeah. Trey has a shoulder issue, mm. and I'm not saying that it's going to be a hundred percent healed, and maybe the time off is going to help. You know, but does he need surgery? We don't know how bad the shoulder injury is, but he's playing through it. His shooting numbers are horrible anyway. He can't guard anyone anyway. And we've seen DeJounte have some injury issues in the past. We know Trey's had injury issues in the past, and he's injured right now. Plus money? Once again, they're like a game up from the like 9 or 10 seed. Like, yeah. They're really not in any position where you just think, all right, they're going to host a play in uh, playoff game. They're not going to. I, there's a decent chance that they're a single elimination team, and you might get a spot where they need to win two must-win games, two win-or-go-home games, in order to actually make the playoffs. And if they lose one of the two, you win, and it's plus 125. Give me the plus 125 for Atlanta to miss the playoffs. Yep, I don't hate that. Again, we just talked about extensively how they just don't like each other. Again, there's been uh, forget the on the court stuff, like, but off the court, it's it's when there's talk rumors about, your head coach is resigning midway yeah. through the season. Yeah. You know that it's clearly not working. Yeah, I agree. Again, I'm not going to argue against that. So right now, uh, you're currently find this uh, Atlanta Hawks team to miss the playoffs right now at plus one twenty five. Um, I think for mine. I do like that Brooklyn Nets angle to participate in the play-in tournament at four to one. That's why I was gonna let you take it if you wanted to. If we yeah. were doing lock and dog, I mean Atlanta's a plus money play, but yeah, my long shot dog might be that Nets play, but I don't know because I still like the roster. You know, like Miami's probably still gonna bench some guys, but they don't mm-hmm. want to be in a play-in game with the older team that they have. Yeah, I could see it with the Nets. I think four to one's decent value, but. I don't know. I get. You have any other thoughts? Uh, any plays I, that maybe we didn't we did not mention in the show yet? I know we talked about Toronto and for them to make the playoffs. That was one sixty five, I think. Yeah, I still like that as well because if and I'm kind of looking right now as you were you know talking about the uh, Atlanta Hawks. 
kind of going back to the 2017-2018 season, kind of pulled up their record of how they've done post-All-Star break, and they've been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the 2017-2018 season, post-All-Star break, Toronto 18-17, and 2018-2019, they finished up, I think it was 15-8. and eight. Uh, I think there's one year, which was 2019 and 2020. No, sorry, 2019-2020 season, post-All-Star break, 13-4. and four. Uh, it was a 2021-2021 season where they were just absolutely uh, abysmal in that second half of the year where they were, I think, yeah, 10 and 26. But even last year, Scott, uh, this team was one of the better uh, teams in the second half of the year where they were 16 and 9. So it just seems like they just turn it up uh, once they get past the trade deadline. They didn't make any significant moves. Again, there's still a lot of talent on this team when you talk about Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, when he's going to be healthy again with the wrist injury. Uh, Gary Trent has been doing very well for this team off the bench as well, and even starting when he's needed to. For the record, Toronto should have traded Ananobi, but that's a separate story. Yeah. Um, So I think that at plus money, we're still getting plus 165 for the Raptors to make the playoffs. I'll take that. And then also, we got, I think we both agree, we'll give it out together at the Brooklyn Nets to participate in the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference at 4-1. to one. I think that they will tell off a little bit, but I would think something catastrophic for them not to make the playoffs uh, and be past that 10 seed where they're not even in that play-in tournament bracket. But I think they do have some margin for error, but I think there's still enough talent on this roster for them to be in that play-in tournament bracket. And currently right now, if you look at it, Scott, um, they are what we said, what, the fifth seed right now? They're only about two and a half games out of uh, being the seventh spot in that Eastern Conference in that playing tournament bracket. Currently, Toronto, they are six and a half games back. There's, a, there's some a little bit of margin there for, for Brooklyn um, to lose. That win games. against Miami was huge. Yeah, and still to be in that playing tournament. Uh, so I think at four to one, I think we both agree upon that one. Um, all right, Scott, anything else before we get out of here, my man? Not really. Uh, I feel like we kind of covered everything. By the way, the Celtics' uh, actual win total right now is 58.5. I said they got a shot for 60. So it, it does seem like people are giving the Celtics a good shot to just absolutely go nuclear for the mm-hmm. last couple of months with Jalen Brown back in the lineup. Yeah. I am kind of curious if I could find odds on them to win 60 games because I actually think that they got a shot to do it. I doubt I can find that, though. Like, it yeah. holds total but 58 and a half plus 105 so you're probably looking at like plus 150 plus 160 but i don't even see that uh yeah i think that's kind of going to wrap it up though i was trying to see if i could find a last second uh win total that i might be tempted by the bucks right now are 56 and a half mm-hmm. the under is minus 135 they've won 12 straight but Giannis might miss some time they're they have 41 wins right now so they would need to win uh, 17 of their last 24, 24. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair, or do you think that's a little bit high with Giannis's injury status kind of being in flux? Right now, they do have the 11th most difficult schedule remaining in the entire association. Where, um, where does Boston rank, by the way, in that same? Boston category? is number 10, actually. Easiest uh, or hardest? Uh, hardest. So, okay. in the the funny part, well, not the funny part, but I think the one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was looking at the remaining strength of schedule for these teams and most difficult schedule that's seven of the top 10 most individuals are eastern conference teams uh philly has the most difficult schedule uh 
Atlanta, which kind of just helps you out for them to miss the playoffs. They have the third most difficult schedule. Toronto's at five. Brooklyn's at seven. New York's at nine. Miami at, uh, sorry, Brooklyn at seven. New York Knicks at eight. Miami at nine. Boston at 10. And then Milwaukee at 11. Um, It's funny here, Scott, because you talked about Boston Celtics at their oh, I, it, for a team to have the most regular season wins, you would probably assume that they have to get the 60 wins. And they currently have the Boston Celtics that have the most regular season wins at minus 160. So we might as well just take the over 58 and a half at plus 105, won't you? That's what I would do, in my yeah. opinion. Now, the argument is Denver has injury issues too, so you don't exactly have to worry about the Western Conference passing mm-hmm. Boston there. I think it's just insurance because if – Giannis misses some time and Milwaukee falls apart, then Boston can just cruise into it. But I really do think Boston's got a shot to win 60, especially with them being close to full strength right now. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be a serious team that's going to just demolish the opposition for the next couple of months. And we saw it post-All-Star break last year when they were putting up some of the best overall net ratings of all time, Mm -hmm. and they parlayed that to an NBA Finals appearance. They really check all the boxes, don't they? They do. Yeah, they really do. Um, again, they they got a taste of the NBA Finals last year, did the Boston Celtics, so they know kind of what it takes now uh, for them to kind of hoist the Lombardi, not the Lombardi Trophy, the Larry O'Brien Trophy uh, for this uh, upcoming season. So it'll be interesting to see, man. I think that you know we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on the East for sure. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on the West with, with now the big three. I think Phoenix... You know, with Kevin Durant, obviously you're going to be at the forefront of the Western Conference. Oh, that oh that big three. I thought you, I thought you meant the Westbrook big three. Sorry. Oh no no, no. Okay. I don't I don't know about that one yet. We'll have to see how that okay. one kind of plays out uh, before we can crown that a big three. Maybe a two and a half, but maybe not a big three just yet here, Scott. It's a two and a half, but the other half's turns, man. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Eastern Conference Recap. Uh, Scott Enter will be back tomorrow discussing some maybe some for more futures, get into in-depth about some um, regular season win totals, player awards, all that good stuff before we uh, get into the final stretch of the regular season uh, and then leading into the playoffs. Uh, Scott, anything else, my man, before we get out of here? No, you can find me on Twitter, Reichel Radio. I did post a tennis podcast uh, early, early in the morning at like 2 a.m., and the matches haven't started yet, so if you want to check out some tennis action, then check out the tennis pod. Besides that, though, uh, WNBA, I know, starts up in a couple of months, so I'll be doing that with Terrell. But for the most part, no. You know where to find me on Twitter. Uh, if you don't like, if you watch the podcast but you don't leave a review, you're a coward. So make sure you end up doing that. Uh, you know, you don't want to have a coward on uh, being known as a coward on your resume, so just keep that in mind. But yeah. that's all I got to say. Yeah, we read out some of the reviews that we did get in yesterday uh, for the NBA Gambling Podcast, and then uh, the in particular one with the gentleman that left us the review that calling the listeners who haven't left us a review yet coward. So uh, definitely do us a favor, uh, get onto Spotify, leave a five star rating for us if you listen on uh, any other podcast platform whether it's apple google wherever the case might be uh just do us a favor leave us a rating and a review it really helps us grow the show all right we'll be back uh as usual on wednesday and then we'll get into the um games on thursday with the uh final stretch kicking off for the nba uh look out for us then till then good luck with your picks let's break these books off and let it ride